everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. How's it going, everyone? And John. Hello. What's a group of plump babies called? Heavy infantry. (laughs) That one always gives me a giggle. Will today's products similarly please the sharks, or are they about to take a bite out of these founders? It promises to get messy, or not, depending on how effective the product truly is. All that and more after we pay some bills. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support, so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping up sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. Today in the take, we have Table Tyke, which is brought to us by founder Berlin, and she is asking for $100,000 for 10% in her business, which is a million-dollar valuation. And the product of today is Table Tyke, which is a silicon placemat for kids. And so the problem this product's really trying to solve is that taking kids out to eat is a total mess. Apparently, they're just chewing on tables, and they're getting hurt by banging their heads. So the solution is this portable placemat with a bumper that is actually designed to protect a kid's head from hitting the table while also easily catching spills, making it easy to just roll up, put in the dishwasher, mess be gone. So it's for babies, toddlers, even big kids. It comes in a table type XL, which you can even use for the messy adults in your life. So thinking about our product, our pitch, and our founder, initial thoughts on table type. Okay. Well, I've got kids. And so this product, I am the persona for this product. And Berlin, there's so many things I love about your product. And so I'm excited to talk about those things. That said, this to me falls into the camp of a classic mispitch on Shark Tank, only through the lens of, I don't think talking about the problem of your children chew on tables and bump their heads, that is a polarizing problem to solve, where it immediately causes a whole swath of your target market to be like, my kids don't chew on the table. My kid doesn't chew on the table. Like my kid is not like a table chewer. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's not a problem for me. Whereas if you made it a more generalized problem, Mm. Berlin, which could be basically like, hey, the mess. anytime you want to go out to eat, you need an easy to transport, easy to clean, easy to avoid food spill, placemat solution Mm -hmm. for the restaurant. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And every parent would say that regardless of whether their kid chews on the table. Because I'm sure there are kids who chew on the table. My kid didn't though. (laughs) And so- to me, that's it. And the product itself is beautifully executed. It's 100% silicone, which, yeah, means mm-hmm. to Jory's point, you can put it in the dishwasher and it's safe for kids. It's got the great ledge built into it, which avoids food spills, which is a real problem at restaurants. Food falls off everywhere. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just kind of like, I think you want to pitch this thing in a way that appeals to 100% of your target market, mm-hmm. not yeah. the, I don't know, 50 or 60% who have kids who chew on tables. You can tell this was a product born out of frustration. I feel like if I were Berlin, I was probably like, gosh, darn it, keep your head off the table. Stop trying to eat my table corners. You know, I agree, John, if like the pitch probably could have been improved a little bit more, I would have loved for it almost to be like a demonstrative, almost like a sham wow of like, Mm. sharks, try to spill this and see how it doesn't soak through and like really have that be the selling point, being the technology itself and how it truly does like catch all for like everything. 
Do you think it's too niche though? Do you think this is just like a one product company? Because I felt like she was really starting towards the end of her pitch to try to expand into the adult space. And I totally get the narrative of like, this grows with you, you know, like your toddlers are going to make messes, your little kids are going to make messes. Yeah, no, the XL is also part of the miss pitch, Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Because I think actually the idea of an adult sized children's placemat is also polarizing. Doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, yeah. I don't need that. Like, I don't want that. Maybe I've got some sloppy uncle in my life or something, but like jokingly needs, needs it. Needs a bib. And instead, I think instead of <laughs> yeah. using the product that exists and trying to expand into new markets with it, I would say we are the best mm-hmm. for this market mm-hmm. and expand into other products there. Like mm-hmm. she can expand into cups. She Sippy can expand cups, yeah. into utensils. She mm-hmm. Like bibs. She can expand into all those things. And so if I were her, I would put like 50% of her capital into selling this specific product and 50% of her capital into establishing herself as a brand and building an email list where she can then cross sell products to other people. Because as a parent, once you find a brand that you like for something and you trust for something, you actually are much more inclined to buy them for other things because the amount of time you actually have to do like more research. research. It's like, if I loved this placemat and I see that they sell cups, like I'll probably just buy cups from them, mm-hmm. you know? So if I were her, I would actually go multi-product and do it pretty fast mm-hmm. and use the brand that she's building for establishing herself as like a high quality, high end, 100% silicone solution for kids and expand into other products there. So what would it take to become that like authority though? If she's trying to be like the one placemat for babies, like what's the strategy there? What can she do to start to almost build that moat of defensibility around like my placemat is the best that all parents should be turning to? think strong word of mouth. John can probably speak to this more as a parent, but I feel like a lot of parents in a similar realm, not only are they brand loyal, but when they find a product that they love, they will often share it with other moms and other dads within mm-hmm. their community. So I think really tapping into that community led building almost like a table type community, oh, cool. whether mm-hmm. it's a newsletter or like a community group or blog posts, like fostering that, I think that word of mouth would really help her in this instance. Yep. 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 I think <laughs> the first thing I would say is I don't think she can be the one place, Matt, to rule them all. I think mm-hmm. there are just too many products out there. But I think that she has a couple of things about her product that target part of the parenting market is looking for. And that is 100% mm-hmm. silicone. And I think that like she's just going to need to just lean into the things that are differentiated about her product. I do think she should actually get into some of these boutiques because I do think that's a way that parents find this stuff, number one. Mm-hmm. By the way, most of those boutiques actually create like YouTube content where they review products and stuff like that. Mm. It's a big way that they drive business for themselves. A lot of the local boutiques don't just sell in store. They actually have a decent e-commerce business too. Today I learned. So like get into these boutiques, I would probably give away some product to bloggers. Like I'd probably go a bunch of paths like that. And so I would combine like basically word of mouth aerial with probably like an influencer slash boutique strategy with just being sure that, you know, reviews on Amazon were just exceptional. Would definitely not get a PR agency. Yeah. I've worked with lots of PR agencies and to all my PR agency friends out there, no disrespect. <laughs> but generally, I think that in order for PR agencies to work really effectively, like you need to give them most of what they need to make it happen. Right. And I think a lot of people hire PR agencies with like kind of a nebulous objective, like get on BuzzFeed. And it's very hard for them to do that because they're not close enough to the product and the story to make it really happen. Can you talk a little bit more about the role of BuzzFeed here? Because she really seemed to like think BuzzFeed was like the be all end all. And maybe it's just how I've been thinking about marketing recently. But like, what role would you see BuzzFeed doing and helping or hurting her business? What makes BuzzFeed so special? I don't know. I've never chosen a baby product off BuzzFeed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah. There must be a she reason. She just seemed so drilled into it that I was like, maybe I'm missing something. Okay. I think it's because, you know, like a few years back, BuzzFeed, it was really popular to come up with these aggregate reviews, different types of products that they would showcase. Sure. She used the BuzzFeed name, but in her mind, it's more so how do I get that exposure mm. with other products? Is it through like motherhood.com or some of the different parenting sites that will feature her product, I think was more of what she was getting at. BuzzFeed has a lot of lists. Listicles. 39 baby products so good, reviewers call them must-haves. 47 baby products that are new mom approved. 39 baby products that parents absolutely swear by. 46 must-have baby products. So I think maybe that's why she's like, I want to appear on all those lists. Make sure I'm always mentioned. I think it's hard to get on those lists, by the way, unless you hey. Mm-hmm. I thought BuzzFeed had actually totally like shut down at this point. We all did. <laughs> well, that's why I asked, right? Because I thought it was like over. <laughs> BuzzFeed needs money. So if you want to get on this list, you either have to pay or right. you need to be able to link to them. You need to be able to do a link trade in a way that your brand is good enough that it actually draws traffic to BuzzFeed. And I don't to think BuzzFeed. she has either of those things. So yet. it's not just PR at that point. Yeah. So if word of mouth is going to be her strongest strategy, besides getting on like mom blogs or like baby blogs, what other communities do you think that she could really be drilling into if not the paid BuzzFeed ones? How does word of mouth work these days? (laughs) TikTok. But like, do you see TikTok as a word of mouth strategy or is it more of like a social strategy? Where do you draw that line? I see it more as a social. I think word of mouth can live on social at times. So through things like Reddit forums or any of like those community-based social groups, basically any social channel that you go on to commune with other people as opposed to like finding new products or like consuming content necessarily. So even like Facebook could be really great moms groups for this. I think, you know, the boutique makes sense, but there's other areas like maybe it's at daycares that, you know, these are offered to be like a point of purchase for a lot of daycares as well, or, you know, some other unique like partnerships in that sense could also be a really good way. But I think, you know, between the boutiques and just generating that visual appeal in folks that see that social proof should be enough to generate at least interest if she decides a stand is like a single product. I think she's going to have to put in a little more work if it's going to expand beyond just like placemats. Yeah. And I mean, that's totally not to knock on TikTok because she mentioned that 60% of her sales had happened last year in Q4 when she started using TikTok. Mm -hmm. So clearly there's like a lot of success and virality and word of mouth exposure happening there. That's been successful because it essentially skyrocketed her sales from first to 30 years. Yeah. But ultimately... The Sharks were kind of torn on this one, right? Like Robert has twins. He's in that five-year-old stage. They agreed that the PR firm was potentially not the way that she should be going. It was like a good and bad thing because the Sharks were like, honestly, I think you can figure this out. I think you're going to do great and go far. But ultimately, they were either not aligned with the product and where it would fit in their portfolio, or they thought the entrepreneur would ultimately figure it out. So in this case, there was no offer made to our entrepreneur. I feel bad. Like Kevin was like, this Mm -hmm. isn't my portfolio. I'm kind of surprised that like, was Lori on that episode? Yes. I think she was. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised she didn't bite actually, because this feels like it actually would do great in her type of channels. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of bummed that Robert backed out because Robert Mm -hmm. was basically like, look, I really like this product. I totally get it. This is like totally made for me. It just doesn't like, it's not a big enough return. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that kind of stinks because Shark Tank is meant for products like this, Mm -hmm. not for like Mm -hmm. super high scale. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of too bad that she had a great product that he really liked the product. And he was like, well, at this point in my investing career, like I just don't do small deals. You know, I only do like deals that have Mm -hmm. massive returns. And I'm like, well, then maybe you're not the best shark to be on Shark Tank anymore because that's the whole point of Shark Tank. (laughs) Robert. Yeah. God, Robert. (laughs) He's above the 2 million mark, guys. Come on. (laughs) Which I respect. I got no problem with that. But it's kind of like... Yes, everybody told Berlin she has to go on Shark Tank. 
that she was like, everyone said when I made it, you have to go on Shark Tank because this is the perfect product for Shark Tank. And everyone was like, mm-hmm. no, like it's not a big enough return it's for me. It's not big enough for me. And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a cop-out answer. Don't worry, John. Nobody puts this baby product in the corner because oh. ultimately after the episode, there were two huge orders that this founder had to put in. She received hundreds and hundreds of messages from fans and expects her revenue to continue to double through the end of this year. So this entrepreneur is going to be successful regardless, saw that Shark Tank bump. So even though she had no Shark Tank deal, we can expect great things from Table Tyke in the future. Production for today's episode was brought to you by Ari Desarmo. Editing comes from Robert Hartwig and support from Alfred Schultz. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you subscribe to the greatest podcasts ever. That does it for me. See you next week in the tank for another bite.